my New Year's resolution is probably to practice more, but I think that's everybody's. Happy New Year and all the very best for 2022. Any New Year resolutions yet? Will you stick to them? Easier said than done. I always promise I'll do more piano practice. Does it happen? Watch this space. Well, we've been asking members of the People's Orchestra about their musical resolutions and we'll be hearing from them later. Now, throughout this series of Just the Tonic with me, Katie Derham, we've been shining a light on leading musicians and musical organisations who are dedicated to making a positive impact on people's lives. In this, the last episode of the first series, it is all about rehabilitation. I'll be finding out about the fantastic work of Changing Tunes, a charity that works in the prison system to help people get their lives back on track through the power of music. Ultimately, we we look at prisons as these kind of dark, scary places that we don't want to look at too much. There are people in there that we've perhaps forgotten about, and I think that any kind of reaching out and sharing, particularly of a medium like music that can be so embracing of people, is vastly important. And I'll be chatting to the celebrated, multi-award winning filmmaker, criminologist and all-round Renaissance man Roger Grafe about Feltham Sings, the documentary he made in Feltham Young Offenders Institution and about his decades of campaigning and support for music in prisons. All these tough guys who were showing off to each other suddenly were touched by this middle-aged stranger's lament for his wife. And that's what music can do. First, though, we asked members of the People's Orchestra what musical resolutions they have for 2022, and here is what they said. My musical New Year's resolution is to actually have some time to practice, so I've just completed my PhD, and that kind of saps the life out of you. Um, So I'm looking forward to getting my life back and uh, having some time to practice in the evenings after work. I think my wish would be to become a better player and to play every note rather than just some of the notes. Sometimes I'm a little bit quiet because I'm not sure what I'm doing, but um, getting there, I suppose my New Year's resolution is probably to practice more, but I think that's everybody's. My personal musical wish is that uh, to stop having imposter syndrome and get in control of my self-esteem because I have a lot of people telling me I can play and that I'm a good player but I just really don't believe it and I've got to stop being so impatient with my practice because I practice every day and when I get a new piece of music I expect to be able to play it first time which is utterly ridiculous so if I do have to make a musical resolution it's to stop setting myself ridiculous challenges and start believing I can play and I can play well so (laughs) fingers crossed I'm going to work on that. So I think my music wish for next year would be to carry on making music live with other people like in the orchestra and with ensembles and bring the music to the people at live events. My music wish is that uh, our orchestra grows a bit more. So we've, got, we've, we've grown in the clarinets, but we need a few more strings and a few more other players and other parts of the orchestra. And my resolution would be to practice a lot more. So practice, practice and more practice. And that will stand them in very good stead for their music festival, which forms part of the cultural celebrations for the Commonwealth Games, hosted by Birmingham this year. We look forward to bringing you more news about that. The three core values of the Commonwealth Games are humanity, destiny and equality. And these are values that are integral to the work of Changing Tunes, a charity that uses music and mentoring to help people lead meaningful, crime-free lives. 
They work in prisons, in young offenders institutions and secure children's homes across the UK, employing musicians in residence, in long-term residencies. And they work in the community too, providing support and opportunities for people when they leave the prison system. They have had what can only be described as extraordinary success. So we were delighted to catch up over Zoom with Changing Tunes Chief Executive David Jones and with musician-in-residence and service manager at Red Tangent Records, Cam Harper. Let's hear from David first. We are working towards reducing reoffending, um, but actually we do that through a theory of change. So the theory of change is about building people's self-esteem, confidence, improving people's ability to work with one another. Um, We do a lot of work around identity, challenging the identity of um, being seen only as a product of that crime that saw them land in jail. Um, And actually through music, you know, if you can perform in front of your peers, if you can play within a group, actually you take on a different kind of identity. We do a lot of work through performance um, and also recordings. And again, if you can send a loved one an MP3 or a CD of a song that you've written or performed on, actually that does an amazing thing for your identity. You're not just a criminal or an ex-prisoner. Actually, you are a musician, you're a performer, you're an artist. And that, um, along with the self-esteem and the confidence kind of stuff, we've seen, particularly in our kind of um, post-release type work, can have a really powerful impact on on reducing people going back to crime. To give you a couple of stats, the um, kind of national average is that about 48% of prison leavers will reoffend within a year. And actually our reoffending rates are 3%. That's over a three-year average as well. It clearly works. We're in extraordinary value for money. To fund the arts will take a fraction of what it costs to keep people inside. Um, but unfortunately, there's... There's not the recognition at a strategic level of the importance of the arts. There are individual governors um, who get it and and really push and enable our work and others like it, um, but unfortunately not at a kind of ministerial um, or senior level. With such a low reoffending rate from participants, it is clear that changing tunes has a considerable impact on the people they work with. And you don't have to have previous experience of making music to get involved. We will work with anyone. Um, We work in all categories of prison and with all types of offenders, uh, male and female, um, adult and young people. And yeah, we will take people who've never picked up an instrument um, through to people who may have had professional careers as musicians. Um, You know, prison, uh, we meet all kinds of people um, in there. So um, we're very much learner led. um, So it's not a a specific programme where we move people from point A to point B. It's very much what do you want to get out of music? Some people will come to us and say, I've always wanted to play that song on the guitar uh, and we can kind of support that. Or some people might come to us with, you know, a whole fistful of lyrics that they've written in their cell and they say, can you help me turn this into a song? Others, you know, maybe played an instrument when they were young and then have never picked it up again for 10, 15 years or whatever. And we, but have still got that love so we can get them back in front of a drum kit or, um, you know, in front of a keyboard or whatever it might be. So, yeah, we'll take anyone at any standard. Cam Harper is a service manager at Changing Tunes record label Red Tangent Records and he works with prisoners post-release. Here he is on how he became involved with Changing Tunes. I was a serving prisoner when I came across Changing Tunes. I was an exception possibly in the sense that I was a musician for, for many years before I even came across Changing Tunes. But seeing the work they did and seeing the the humanity and the positivity that they brought, that was what kind of stuck in my mind and went, oh, actually, this is a path for me. I can help 
to do this and I can help to support people. And that, that was the positivity for me directly from changing tunes, being able to engage and go, okay, yes, this is, this is a, an amazing use of music, an amazing way to engage people. Um, I'm in, give me as much as I can get. <laughs> and there is plenty going on. So changing tunes throughout the prison work, there are fairly regular concerts that happen with the guys inside. So performing to other prisoners and prison staff. I've been a part of several concerts within the prison setting and they're always an amazing experience you know both to get to perform to see other people performing and feeling the the benefit and the respect that they get from the guys around them you know because it isn't an easy skill to master anyway never mind the environment of being in a prison there are lots of talented people in prison which is a terrible waste and for other people to look around the prison system in general there isn't a lot to inspire hope and and motivate you you know and then to see changing tunes kind of crop up and put on concerts and see people engaged and motivated i've you know i've had people come up to me you know how do i get involved what do i do how do i you know and i've seen many people over a course of years kind of work with changing tunes inside and then continue to work with changing tunes outside um, I've been very, very lucky in the sense that I've ended up employed by Changing Tunes. Cam's actually being remarkably modest. Cam is a phenomenal musician. He has came out and from prison, stayed in touch with us, um, has immediately began volunteering for us, um, supporting us. And later on, we were able to take him on um, as a staff member. Actually, what he then went on to do was have a, a, an amazing idea around making the most of that um, talent that he talks about in prison. Um, and actually, Cam has set up something called Red Tangent Records, um, which is a record label run by people with lived experience for people with lived experience of the prison system. Um, and that's all kind of Cam's brainchild um, and comes from his time inside and just recognising, seeing the talent um, and saying, well, look, having a conviction, having spent time inside is a huge barrier to all walks of life. We know that the music industry is a tough, tough business um, at the best of times. And that's without kind of having the baggage um, and the impact that prison has on people. So, yeah, if you want to find out more, head over to redtangentrecords.com um, and uh, find a little bit more about some of our artists. Our first signing were a bunch of guys called Whack Therapists, so they're down in Exeter. Uh, they formed inside prison. A musician in residence from Changing Tunes is actually a member of the band now, officially. They're a hip-hop crossover band. Very, very talented guys. They're, they're doing really well. They're currently recording an album. Our second signing was uh, Noble One, B.O.F. He's a rapper from Brixton, very, very charismatic guy, very talented rapper. Again, his mixtape is about to be released come January, February, and we'll be pushing that as hard as possible. I just need a moment, moment of your time, please. Ever so high, but I'm ever so grounded. Never told lies, that's a lie to the damn... Noble in particular is comfortable talking about his journey through the prison system and having grown up in those kind of urban gang culture areas he's very committed to to challenging that and showing people that there are other pathways and this is a really nice opportunity for him to do that 
A major event for Changing Tunes is their annual concert in the community, another opportunity to promote the musical talents of people when they leave the prison system. It's really got three objectives. One is to showcase our people and to give a platform for our musicians, prison leavers and musicians in residence to perform. One is about raising awareness um, and it also has a kind of fundraising element to it as well as a small to medium-sized charity. And it's just a wonderful evening of music and kind of testimonies and stories. And my chair of trustees always says, you know, you've got to see our work to believe it. And, you know, as the vast majority of the work is inside in the prison, seeing the work is quite difficult. You know, most people will never step foot in inside a prison in their life. So actually to be able to bring that out and to put that on um, in the community is really powerful. So we do it once a year um, and this year's one was a hybrid. So it was great to get back to live music in front of a live audience, but also we did it as a, as a live stream as well. If people want to see it, it's still available on YouTube. Go to YouTube and head to the Changing Tunes channel, subscribe, and then just look for the 2021 concert. And yeah, um, there's an hour and a half of wonderful music and amazing stories. And here's Cam performing his song, Trust, at the Changing Tunes concert 2021. Waking up beetle black, it's a cold day. Are you lonely inside your shell? Screaming out another night, and the world still spins. And you're fading into everything you understand is right I know it's hard to breathe sometimes I know it's hard to put yourself in this Given the success of Changing Tunes, we asked David and Cam for their take on why it's so important that access to music is widely available in prisons as part of the rehabilitation process. Here's David. Depending on what newspaper you read or what media outlet you listen to, um, you'll get a very different view on what prison is and isn't. But let me tell you, as someone um, who has the genuine privilege of going in and out of prison kind of every other week and visiting many jails in the UK... Prisons are, on the whole, a very dehumanising place. They're a fairly awful place to be. And, you know, whilst there are great people working in our prisons um, who really genuinely believe in rehabilitation, there's not a huge amount of rehabilitation that is actually able to happen because of a whole raft of things that we haven't got time to go into today. But actually, an injection of music into those estates is a really amazing thing. It's great for the um, kind of staff and officers to hear music coming out of the wings and out of the chapels and things like that. It's great for the individuals, as we've already discussed. And for many, it can be the one thing that makes a difference in their sentence. You know, rather than just treading water and waiting till release date, actually they can do something really super productive. It's actually really, really good for kind of supporting mental health um, and mental health, particularly over the COVID times, has gone through the floor in our prisons. You know, there are phenomenal practitioners who are doing theatre, poetry, um, literature and, and all sorts in our prisons. And, and you know, just a, a huge shout out to all the arts-based um, practitioners in our um, jails who are doing amazing work. It, it adds a depth, it adds some humanity I think um, kind of Cam um, referenced that earlier to to what can be a really awful awful kind of um, period in people's lives um, and it does just give a little bit of hope that actually they can come out the other side and um, survive their sentences and you know in the best cases kind of come out of them a changed person or better 
enabled to kind of re-enter society and at the end of the day, I think the one thing we can all agree on is that we we want to reduce crime. The best way to do that is actually to to kind of you know support people who, um, for whatever reason, have landed themselves in prison, and actually we want them to come out and, and not return. Um, and that's the best way to reduce crime. So arts is a, often a very small element of prison, but actually a really crucial one for some people. I think first of all, I would say the arts, music in particular, I think. Everybody is touched by music in some way, whether that's you know on a on a deep kind of level or it just gets your body moving. You know, music is engaging, and the therapeutic benefits of music are you know unquestionably there. You know, you know, I get therapy from writing music. I get therapy from listening to music. It's a, it's a kind of oral empathy almost. You know, in terms of why they're important in prisons. I think they're important to people. You know, the the arts is is about connecting emotionally, internally, one person to the next. And I think the issue around prison is that ultimately we we look at prisons as these kind of dark, scary places that we don't want to look at too much. But in reality, what a prison is is just a massive building full of people. You know, these there are people in there. You know that we've perhaps forgotten about in some ways, and I think that any kind of reaching out and sharing, particularly of a medium like music that can be so embracing of people, is vastly important. Thank you very much. Someone who feels equally as strongly that the arts are a key part of the rehabilitation process is the hugely respected criminologist, theatre director, documentary filmmaker and BAFTA fellow, Roger Grafe. I've known Roger for many years. He is a dear friend. He's a mentor of mine. Many of his award-winning films have been instrumental in the reform of the justice system. It's a cause he is passionate about. But music has always been a very important part of his life too, and it recurs as a theme in his work. He produced the groundbreaking Feltham Sings documentary. It was filled in Feltham Young Offenders Institution, and inmates and staff offered a glimpse into their lives within the walls of the prison, and in some cases outside too. But instead of contributors simply telling their stories, they were given the opportunity to sing – rap, quote poetry about their feelings and their lives and their dreams. It was extremely powerful. It won a lot of prizes too. I caught up with Roger over Zoom and he began by telling me about a music programme that took place in a detention centre. There were several musicians in the room doing a two-day workshop and writing songs with these people who were in total limbo. They weren't convicted of anything but they were waiting to be thrown out of the country. And it could have been anything from the next day to five years, right? That is what limbo looks like. And so they were from all over the world. And there were these kind of really big Rasta types in the doorway standing, not sure whether they should join in or not, because these weren't cells. They have rooms where their doors are open because they're not convicted. And they were listening to the music. And finally, they were lured in and they wrote a rap song and were really very good. And on the other end of the room was a very quiet, middle-aged Latino guy who was working with one of the musicians writing the song that he wanted to write about his wife, who he hadn't seen for a long time. And after these kind of gangbangers finished, they said, now it's your turn, Jose. And he sang this song about his wife, Adela, 
and it was a it was a ballad, and it makes me cry now <laughs> to think about it. All these tough guys who were showing off to each other suddenly were touched by this middle-aged stranger's lament for his wife. And it spoke, you can see its effect on me, but then I'm a sucker, I'm a softy. But these were tough guys, and they were melted by this fellow's very rough ballad, which he had just written. And that's what music can do. It, it can change people's lives by opening up that part they've kept locked, maybe even since they were children, because very often they come from violent, abusive childhoods. And music never plays a part in that unless it's to drown out the pain. How were you first involved in realising that you could help people in this way? What was the moment of revelation for you that you thought this is, this is a tool that we can use to help people in prisons? Well, I've always loved music. I played music. I played five instruments badly and, you know, really just understand the power of music. And because of that, it was in my toolbox, if you like, for communication. And so, and also I'd been a director of plays for nine years before I started documentaries. So I could understand where the space was in the human psyche that you can touch with art, whether it's music, drama, painting, whatever it is. And having understood that in my own life, I then, when I started making films about the police and then in prisons, I saw these people who were as it were, just like everybody else, but who had ended up there. And I thought, what they need is art, music and art. And the Arthur Kessler and, and David Astor had started the Kessler Art in Prisons years before. And when I encountered it, I just said, right, I'm joining you. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you, became a trustee of that. And then when I heard about Irene Taylor, it was exactly the same thing. And I was going to make a documentary about Feltham. I managed to get access to the prison. When Peter Dale at Channel 4, who was the commissioning editor, said, oh, we don't want to hear a bunch of, you know, tough teenagers complaining about their childhood. Then <clears throat> this just to be watched by Guardian readers and muesli-eating sandal wearers. He said, <laughs> I'm quoting now. He said, I've got an idea. He said, how about Feltham the musical? And... He had made a film already, which was a wonderful film about alcoholism, with Simon Armitage and Brian Hill, which won all sorts of prizes, and I thought it was a brilliant form. So he said, look, why don't you get together with Simon and Brian and see if you can do Felton the Musical? And I just laughed. I thought, what a good idea, why not? And I took it to the Home Office, and they laughed and said, why not? And I took it to the governor and the deputy governor, and they said and laughed, why not? So with this kind of the improbability as our driver, we recruited both officers and young offenders to join. And what was brilliant about the form was that we together decided that first we would do a whole series of interviews on camera about their lives. That was fine. That was conventional documentary stuff. But that would be converted by Simon Armitage into lyrics. And then Errol Charles, I think his name is, I can't remember his second name, but he became the composer for each in, in, in each contributor's style of music. It wasn't that he wrote his own music. He wanted to find out what they would like. And so suddenly, these guys were choosing 
how they would present themselves to the world and their lives to the world with these specially written lyrics and this specially written music. And there were two important stories that came with this. One was uh, when I was being escorted by a prison officer to the gate after he watched the recording, he said, you know, it's very interesting what this stuff does. He said, I was on night duty quite recently and one of the kids in your in your film, did a drawing because he found out it was my birthday and he did a drawing for my birthday. And he said, no one's ever done that for me before. That was the prison officer, right? And that was the same experience for the prisoners to have somebody listen to them. Now, the second story, which is even kind of more interesting, is there were two really tough guys who were in for aggravated assault and nasty characters. You can see them in the film. And they said, listen, man, we don't want some white guy writing about our lives. We're geniuses, too. And so we said, "Okay, fine, if you can do it. And both of them sang rap songs that stole the film. It's brilliant. I used it on my Desert Island discs. It was really, really good, articulate, beautifully performed. To be, so I'm dealing with it properly. A young thug, one love is my only philosophy. We all students in this life, every one of us is honorary. My life's been a monstrosity. I'm trying to find a medicine from growing up and watching my parents inject heroin. Sometimes this life I'm living is too explicit to mention. That's when I close my eyes and rise to heavenly dimensions. Write a realistic sentence while I'm serving the sentence, researching books, pushing weights, learning from my mistakes. That's what it takes to achieve better things in this world. Phenomenal. I actually didn't realize that he'd written that because I mean, it's very, it is strikingly good. Uh, you know, I mean, it's sort of Lin-Manuel Miranda levels of rapping, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah. And that's the point. The talent there is the great secret. The talent hidden in prisons is the great secret. These are people who are willing to take the risks that get them into prison. Very often it's a mistake or betrayal or even just a mistake by the justice system. But there they are, stranded. And a friend of mine has made a wonderful film that was repeated a couple of uh, months ago, last month, called... Painting with My Hair. It's on BBC4, and I highly commend it to everybody. It's on iPlayer. And it's about a guy who was in solitary for 24 years and learned to paint using his own hair as a brush and melting down the colors of Jelly Babies and M&Ms for his colors. And he's done brilliant, brilliant work which had an exhibition at the Riverside and this film by Mike Dibb, who did Ways of Seeing and is a wonderful filmmaker, is there on iPlayer. And when you look at that work and you see how wonderful his gifts are and how much he changed from an 18-year-old who took part in a, you know, in a, in a robbery that went wrong, but the, he's still inside. The parole board just turned him down two weeks ago. Even though he's turned into, he's 60, he's a, he's a gifted artist, you know, and because the justice system is blinded. Now, I want to tell you another story, okay? I went with the director of the Kessler um, Trust to see the head of regimes in the prison service when Gordon Brown said, I'm taking, giving £25 million for rehabilitation programs, okay? <clears throat> and we said, right, that's what we do, okay? And we get there. Ken something his name was, I can't remember now, but anyway this tiny little figure who was the head of the Kessler Trust, Dorothy, and I went and said, right, this is what we do. We reach parts of prisoners that 
other things don't reach, and they change their lives accordingly. And he said, and I quote, that sounds terrific. How many crimes have you prevented? I, I said, sorry, could you ask that question again? He said, well, how many crimes have you prevented? And I said, well, I don't know. We just know that they're as, you know, less likely to reoffend once they've discovered the power of art. Well, you have to tell us the number if you're going to get any money, because the Treasury says you've got to prove the effectiveness of your program in terms of crimes prevented. And I said, first of all, the idea of counting things that haven't happened has a certain logical problem attached to it. And secondly, because this is over time, we don't know. And one of the great things that Irene Taylor does, the trust does, is it has this sounding out program for people when they come out of the music in prisons experience and when they leave prison they can carry on their relationship to music they become workshop leaders themselves musicians themselves they start bands they and what sounding out does is give them opportunities for jobs and for self-respect and for self-expression other than the usual violent means so this is what was so impressive about changing tunes of course is the fact that people who've come out of that program have been staying in the music business and i have to say that the reoffending rates that they're experiencing from after changing tunes are, are startlingly good. Now, you mentioned the problems with with measuring, you know, how many crimes are going to be prevented. We don't really know. Re- but but reoffending rates are, are measured and presumably in the the charities that you've worked with as well, you, you must have been able to see some results in that sense. Definitely, no question. But then we know that even in prison, when they've done the five-day workshop, then the amount of adjudications, trouble with the staff goes down. They've learned to cooperate. They've learned to trust each other. The one thing that goes when you walk through that door is trust, right? When the gates are slammed, you don't trust anybody, anybody. So the idea of rebuilding trust and some kind of sharing and cooperation is fundamental. What is your sense at the moment, Roger, in terms of the willingness of the justice system um, and the government in general to support this evidently very powerful method of helping offenders? Well, I think you can tell from the the fact that music is being sidelined in the education system. You know, when they say we have to prioritise subjects, the first one they mention that is is going down the list is music, right? They don't get the connection between music and mathematics, and thinking, and concentration, and all the other skills. It is terribly narrow, and it is driven by a false assumption that the public is so punitive that they think this is some kind of reward for bad behavior. And in fact, it's the path towards rehabilitation and reducing reoffending. It's one of two or three of the seven paths to reducing reoffending involve education, socialization, family, and trust, and employment. And all of these things are the benefit of working on music with other people. Absolutely. With very many thanks to Roger Grafe, always so inspirational to talk to. His excellent documentary about Feltham Young Offenders Institution is available to watch online. Just search for Feltham Sings. Huge thanks, too, to David Jones and Cam Harper from Changing Tunes and to Cam and Whack Therapists and Noble One BOF from Red Tangent Records for their music. And last but certainly not least, thanks to the players, singers and staff from the People's Orchestra. 
Well, that is it from the first series of Just the Tonic. It has been a pleasure to give a platform to people and organisations all across the UK who are doing so much to enrich people's lives through the power of music. We'll be back in the spring with a new series and we'll be hearing more from the People's Orchestra and their fantastic Commonwealth Community Music Initiative, which is a six-month-long festival that's going to take place in the run-up to and during the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham this year. So far, 52 organisations from 14 countries have been signed up to be involved, so it all promises to be something very special. So... Do join me again in spring. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do like and share the podcast on social media. You can find all the episodes from the first series on your favourite podcast app. And if we have inspired you to join a choir or a community orchestra or a band, search online for community arts organisations in your area or get in touch with Arts Council England, the Arts Council of Wales, the Arts Council of Northern Ireland or Creative Scotland. Just the Tonic with Katie Derham was produced by Jill Davis and is a Peanut and Crumb production supported by the People's Orchestra and Arts Council England. It's a change I feel It's a spinning wheel It's a fairy tale that will not end A dream on which you can depend I know it's hard to breathe sometimes I know it's hard to put your trust in this